0: okay all right hello everybody welcome to figure it out um i don't think we're figuring anything out this this episode we're just sharing some scary facts well my facts are scary asking questions getting answers but not solutions (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, my name is marlena arjo (laughs) um I am trying to be a forensic psychologist. I am. I was going to say, like, I'm succeeding at something, but I have, like, nothing I can think of that I'm actually successful at. <laughs> Definitely not this podcast. Yes, I a lot of a soda. Connoisseur soda of all waters, sparkling or still, mineral or non. <laughs> um,. I had to buy a bottle of Smart Water for my bog garden, and so now I have fancy carnivorous plants. <laughs> They'll never go back.
1: It's Smart Water it's the
0: not, fanciest? It's, it's the most filtered. I think the fanciest, mm. okay, well, it it depends on what, what tier we're looking at. Anyways. <laughs> That's my whole intro. <laughs> Your voice was kind of
1: smooth while you you said it. I think you can, uh, I think you
0: might get an offer to be part of a... Any water companies want to sponsor us? Our integrity will be out the window. (laughs) Free water. We keep saying we're going to stay ad-free, but we're just waiting for the right bidder to come along and it's over. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: We're playing hard to get. Don't don't, be <laughs> don't confused think because we're good people. <laughs> we're just seeing <laughs> the best angle we can take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Negotiating
1: with the market. Uh, my name is Lena Fredström. I live in Stockholm, Sweden. And I had something that I was going to say. Oh, I once lived in the city in Sweden with the third best tap wow. water. Very good water. Uh, recommend it. When you went to visit me, we drank some of the worst water in I don't water remember
0: that water, is terrible. water being particularly bad. But I will say, like, my my home state and the best state in the Union, California, some of the worst water, because it's all, like, dug up from, like, the depths of the desert, or, like, shipped over, and it's horrific. Yeah. And what I should have mentioned, since I'm going to be yeah. talking about it a lot in this episode, is I currently live in Portland, Oregon, which has incredible water. Great tap water. Wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But you that doesn't stop you I, from I usually, d- it <laughs> I, bottled okay. up. I buy cans of soda water, and glass <sighs> bottles of mineral water. And then I I take them straight back to the source, because I read that if you just recycle through, like, your regular, like, recycling, like, your city recycling program, a lot of those bottles don't get recycled. Mm -hmm. But if you recycle through, like, a drinking vessel-specific recycling program, they're more likely to be recycled. So we bag them up and take them to the, like, can and bottle people, and they give us, like two cents a bottle or something <laughs> and we use it to buy more soda <laughs> waters <laughs> but most of the day I'm, I'm drinking just tap water I like
1: it when yeah this is for yeah. the fancy yeah for a fancy like time. right now I'm like right a now but you shouldn't tell us what kind I'll, I'll say
0: <laughs> it I have like no idea thing. what beach plum is <laughs> it's good <laughs> 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 if you, it's you <laughs> being burnt at the, when, when you get Actually, one of my favorites the is the coconut LaCroix. and like already, I think like Lacroix in general makes very chemically flavored soda waters, and so the coconut one just tastes like mm-hmm. sunscreen. <laughs> it's like drinking straight out of a <laughs> bottle of sunscreen. <laughs> it's delicious.
1: <laughs> Which might be kind of soothing. It makes me feel good.
0: <laughs> Do anything rather than actually put on sunscreen. That's a whole. I could talk. I just my dermatologist is trying to help my chin not be a nightmare, which it has been for months. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been horrific, yeah. and so I I had to send her my I have entire not skincare routine. And she told me I have to switch moisturizers. <laughs> it's been tragic. <laughs> <laughs> but that was
1: the only. Everything like, else note is good. but the moisturizer
0: has to go. Although I also my daily like sunscreen, I've been wanting to replace because my makeup slides around on it. But she said it was a good one for skincare. Mm. How many? How many products? I've are in a your lot better. Routine? Um, (laughs) I have one face wash, one moisturizer, which has to be replaced, one sunscreen, which also has to be replaced. And I have a, um, like prescription medicated topical ointment, which is Uh, clearly not helping. (laughs) 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 Your skin looks great. (laughs) Might I get a, a lot of compliments camera. on it, and I can't believe it because I have spent my entire life thinking that I have like the worst skin of anyone I know, and so uh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's just like working, but I am still too critical of it.
1: Are you? I feel like maybe you have that kind of uh, dewy, translucent Oily. skin. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Dewey
0: and that feels like it's sensitive. My but, entire but, but body, like nice. all the skin on me is sensitive. Like I <laughs> if I shower too many days in a row, I'll just like break out in full hives. <laughs> if I go an extra day without showering, itchy all over. <laughs> it's,
1: it's horrible. <laughs> A small, small natural
0: disaster. Your skin, any stress, <laughs> skin, skin sensitivity destroyed.
1: <laughs> to help future you, who has to do yeah. the editing, I'm going to suggest that we start the, the, the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I also, I also I also have a that thing I wanna that's unrelated. It's my general news portion. So, okay. oh, yeah, nice. Um, I saw on Twitter an article that said women are wearing less bras since the pandemic started. I started that trend way before the pandemic started because bras are so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs>
1: Marlena, you stopped wearing a bra because you lost it in Berlin.
0: Okay. <laughs> that was different. Um, <laughs> That's Do you my have only have any news for the news? week. Yeah, that it's been a slow news. news week. Well, there's like a lot of stuff about like <laughs> the possibility of war, but I'm choosing to ignore that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. We're a positive. Mm-hmm. The Ukrainians podcast. were like, "America, please stop saying that Russia's going to invade any second now." And I was like, "Yeah, this is so embarrassing. I don't want to be a part of this." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I think the best way is to not yeah. to not think about it, cause also because I don't understand. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, but Let's, s- start off. the... Okay. So first, to introduce the main theme of the episode. We're talking about natural disasters, and specifically, I'm talking about a natural disaster that scares me a lot, although not not in general. But in this specific context, which is earthquakes. Mm. So we're going to do this in three parts. Part one, the orphan tsunami. So the year is 1700. It's January. We're in Japan. The Japanese have been keeping a written... (laughs) I'm reading this so badly. The Japanese have been keeping a written history since the year 1599 A.D. I didn't write A.D., but I'm pretty sure it's A.D. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna assume. Because um, <laughs> I remember when I read, I read it. It had something at the end, and I'm pretty sure. Because if it's if because if it's the other if yeah. it's B.C.
1: No wait. It. I'm thinking it's A.D. Wait, is it I think AD? it's A.D. <laughs> That's pretty short, isn't it? From, six, like, 600 A.D.? Oh, 600. I thought you said 1500. No, 500. 500. 599. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, that yeah, sounds Yeah, so the okay. Japanese have been Reasonable. keeping a written history since 599 A.D. At this time, they... This is so poorly written. Okay. (laughs) So again, 1700 into January. Suddenly, they record a tsunami unlike any they've ever recorded, any that they had ever recorded or have recorded since. This tsunami, which was a 600-mile wave, which leveled homes and breached the castle moat, struck the coast. That's a whole sentence. (laughs) So, Japan is a country that's very familiar with seismic activity. And so, already in the year 1700, they knew that a tsunami comes from an earthquake. However, this tsunami came from seemingly nowhere. There had been no earthquake before it hit. So, they nicknamed it the Orphan Tsunami. It had no parents. I think that's really cute. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> makes it really yeah. sad somehow <laughs> coming to coming
0: <laughs> to hang out <laughs> all lonely so fast forward 104 years it's now 1804 and lewis and clark have set off on an expedition across the newly formed USA a country that could only legally drink for 8 years that <laughs> so makes it 29 <laughs> i don't even know if that's correct oh was it <laughs> <laughs> So 18 months later, they reached the Pacific Ocean, and they're near present-day Astoria, Oregon, which is just west of me, right on the coast. So in this area, the native inhabitants have a lot of oral traditions that tell stories of a night when the earth shook and then sank, and water rushed in and drowned people, Some of them talk about water disappearing from the coast and then suddenly pouring back in, and those who survived found canoes hanging from the tops of trees. But all the settlers in this new land saw was this beautiful, fertile land, and for hundreds of years, since then, that's been true. So now we're going to talk about earthquakes in general. This is still part of part one, the orphan tsunami, though. So... (laughs) A majority of the world's most powerful earthquakes all occur within the Ring of Fire, which is an extremely seismically volatile section of the Pacific Ocean running from New Zealand up to Japan and then across to Alaska and down to Chile. Um, So this Ring of Fire produces huge earthquakes all the time. For example, 2011, Japan saw a magnitude magnitude 9 earthquake, which is frightening. Alaska yeah. in 1964 saw a magnitude 9.2 which would be frightening if people lived in Alaska. And I <laughs> wish <that's laughs> so we should cut that. In <laughs> 2004 Indonesia saw a magnitude 9.1. The Ring of Fire is also home to 75% of the world's volcanoes including Mount Fuji, Krakatoa, Mount St. Helens and Portland's sweet little darling Mount Hood. so what causes the seismic activity in the ring of fire is a bunch of subduction zones which is when a continental tectonic plate slides onto an oceanic tectonic plate for example the north american plate which is currently stuck on top of the juan de fuca plate and so once they're stuck like that they will suddenly become unstuck and there'll be a huge earthquake so most of these subduct... Yes. And, and the, they're stuck that way right now? Like they yes, know that the it's... the North American plate is stuck on top of the uh, Juan de Fuca plate. Mm. Most subduction zones on the Ring of Fire produce major earthquakes with some regularity, and they produce minor earthquakes about magnitude 4 to 5 really regularly. So let's go back to the Pacific Northwest. So now the year is 18, no, 1987. (laughs) So near the Washington coast, there's a place called the Ghost Forest. It's a grove of long dead red cedars that are still standing in a marsh along the Copolis River or Copolis River. I have no idea. So they were all killed by saltwater. And for a long time, people believed that the saltwater had like slowly crept in up the banks of this river and slowly killed the grove over time. But now in 1987, geologist Brian Atwater starts to find layers of evidence in the soil that suggests that the trees had all died at once when the ground they sat on plummeted into the earth and salt water rushed in from the ocean. So he takes some samples from the trees and he discovers that in tree after tree, all the final rings of the trees stop in the summer of 1699. And so since trees don't grow in the winter... Mm -hmm that means that something had caused the land to drop and kill all these trees sometime between August of 1699 and May of 1700. (laughs) So at this point, the paradigm kind of shifts, and it becomes clear that this is kind of an uh uh-oh situation. And they realize (laughs) that in January... Of 1700, the Pacific Northwest had experienced a catastrophic earthquake and a tsunami, which also resulted in the orphan tsunami in Japan. That killed the trees, that caused the oral traditions in the native people to start, and that caused the orphan tsunami. Part two, the Northridge earthquake. (laughs) So it's now 1994. At this point, I have had the good sense to not be born yet. But my brother has <laughs> not been as wise. <laughs> he is alive. <laughs> and it is January seventeenth at four thirty in the morning. Actually, I think it's exactly four thirty point no four thirty four minute wait. Four hours, thirty minutes and fifty-five seconds in the morning. <laughs> Ooh. Almost, Almost thirty one. So my brother and millions of others are asleep in California. <laughs> um, my brother is in Santa Barbara. So are my parents. He's not just there by himself. <laughs> so suddenly, in the San Fernando Valley, approximately ninety miles or one hundred and forty-four kilometers. This is the only part where I actually have like <laughs> the the kilometers. The, Everything else, I think, is bit. all in miles. <laughs> So 90 miles southeast of where my family slept, a 6.7 magnitude earthquake jolts them awake, lasting approximately 10 to 20 seconds. So if you are unfamiliar with the geography of California, the San Fernando Valley Mm -hmm. is kind of like the northeast, like the north northeastern-ish part of um, Los Angeles County, and it's pretty urban. So okay. this 6.7 magnitude earthquake is to this day the largest earthquake recorded in an urban part of North America. Oh, yeah. So after the earthquake ends, there are two major aftershocks, each around 6, uh, six magnitude and thousands of smaller aftershocks. So the first major aftershock comes one minute later, and the second and the bigger aftershock comes 11 hours later. By the time the sun comes up, which is just a few hours after the initial earthquake, the damage is just starting. There are about 466 fires resulting from the eruption of natural gas mains and valves. The historic Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum is damaged beyond repair. The Northridge Meadows apartment complex collapsed, killing 16 people. The Santa Monica Freeway, which is the 10, and the Golden State Freeway, which is the 5, both sustained significant damage, and parts of the 5 fully collapsed. So overall, around 60 people are killed and thousands more are injured. My brother survives, and both my parents also survived, But they were they were in Santa Barbara, so <laughs> not actually in LA. Um, many people <laughs> lost their homes. And even those that did not had to spend weeks living in shelters or with friends and family outside the area because they were afraid of more severe aftershocks coming. And as a fun fact, Mm. in the 2004 film A Cinderella Story, starring Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, Hilary Duff's character lives with her stepmother after her father dies in the Northridge earthquake.
1: Oh. Nice uh, local...
0: (laughs) Yeah. connection part three the big one <laughs> so the san andreas <laughs> fault line is the most famous fault line in america i think it's the fault line that goes like pretty much all the way down california and for my entire life and i think a long time before i was born people have been talking about the big one that's going to come from the san andreas fault but fault lines have an upper limit to their potential So for the San Andreas fault, the potential tops out around an 8.2 magnitude earthquake, which is huge. Um, So compared to the 6.7 North Ridge earthquake, it's... Okay, so the the Richter scale, which is how we measure earthquakes, is logarithmic. So an 8.2 magnitude Mm -hmm. earthquake, which is where the San Andreas would top out, is 178 times stronger than the 6.7 earthquake of North Ridge. So, huge. However, we have another fault line north of San Andreas, just off the coast of the Pacific Northwest. And this is the Cascadia subduction zone. We also now know that it was responsible for 41 earthquakes in the past 10,000 years, which is roughly one every 250-ish years. And this subduction zone maxes out at about a 9.2 magnitude earthquake which is 316 times bigger than the Northridge earthquake and 31 times stronger than the the big one will be in California. So what are the odds of this subduction zone having a major earthquake in the next 50 years? So the odds of it having an earthquake the size of California's potential big one is roughly one in three. The odds of an even bigger earthquake than that is 1 in 10. That's in the next 50 years. So, (laughs) according to Kenneth Murphy, who is FEMA's director of Region X, which is like the Pacific Northwest area, he says, Our operating assumption is that anything west of Interstate 5 will be toast. If you're unfamiliar with the geography of Oregon... The 5 is a major freeway that is east of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. No, yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate. In the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which was a huge disaster, 3,000 people died. And then in Hurricane Katrina, nearly 2,000 people died. When the Cascadia subduction zone has its big earthquake, FEMA projects a death toll of around 13,000 people, which is almost three times bigger than the 1906 San Francisco earthquake and Hurricane Katrina combined. So now that we know this and have known this for decades, what are we doing about it? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) The Pacific Northwest is comically underprepared for a major earthquake. So, let's go back to Japan, which is also on the Ring of Fire. So, just before an earthquake, there yeah. is a compressional wave. So, to human beings, that's just like a sudden jolt that occurs moments before the actual earthquake starts. And animals with better hearing, it makes like an audible noise. And in Japan, they have sensors connected to these early warning systems that can pick up on these, uh, compression w- these compressional waves which can occur like a minute to a minute and a half ahead of the actual earthquake. And then they start shutting down Mm -hmm. railways and power plants like automatically elevator doors automatically open firehouse doors automatically open hospitals get alerts telling them to halt all surgeries. And they set off alarms to the public to prepare Mm -hmm. for an incoming earthquake. None of that exists in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) It's also it's relatively easy to retrofit private dwellings to make them earthquake safe. This has been done in Japan and yeah. many parts of California. Most of the Pacific Northwest yeah. hasn't bothered with an expensive retrofitting. Uh, we actually just there's like 17 bridges in Portland, I think. I think like four yeah. of them are earthquake safe. <laughs> we we actually one of them we're like just now <laughs> retrofitting. Because it's about to collapse of its own accord, and we were like, well, when he picks it up, we may as well make it (laughs) earthquake-safe. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds reasonable. So what will an earthquake of this magnitude be like in a city that is completely unprepared for it? So first, there'll be a strange jolt, and all the dogs will start whining and barking. Then a few moments later, the earthquake will begin. For a magnitude 9 earthquake, it could last over five minutes. During these five minutes of shaking, the electrical grid will fail. Glass windows will shatter. Bookshelves will crash to the ground. Refrigerators will walk across floors, unplugging themselves. Gas lines will rupture and fires. I wrote, and fires will erupt. (laughs) I don't like rupture and erupt in the same sentence. I think it works. Houses and major buildings will begin to collapse. Bridges, which Portland has 17 of, will collapse. Schools, hospitals, fire stations, police stations will all collapse. Landslides will begin. Most of the Pacific Northwest is built on liquefiable land, which is land that will begin to behave as a liquid in an earthquake. Buildings on this type of land will be destroyed. And then after the shaking ends, which is about five or six minutes later, the tsunami will begin. So tsunamis are the one type of natural disaster that is virtually ins- unsurvivable. 71,000 000- <laughs> you can't survive. Like if you're in a tsunami it's over. <laughs> like you can survive like a tornado, but you can't survive a tsunami. The only way to survive a tsunami okay, yeah. is to not be in a tsunami. so seventy-one thousand people in the pacific northwest will have moments to evacuate coastal towns after the earthquake they'll have to scramble to leave on roads that have been destroyed by the earthquake at most there will be 30 minutes to -hmm. get out right now it's illegal to build hospitals or firehouses on in an inundation zones i assume that is places that are at risk of tsunamis i didn't look it up (laughs) But any hospitals or firehouses that are already built in those zones can stay there. Yeah. And a lot of them have.
1: Yeah.
0: So when the (laughs) tsunami wave hits, it could be anywhere from 20 to over 100 feet tall, depending on the contours of the coastline. It will pick up trucks, trees, boats, and everything in its way as it rushes in. After the immediate danger ends, it'll take between one and three months to to restore electricity in the major cities. A month to a year to restore drinking water. Six months to a year to fix freeways. 18 months to repair healthcare facilities. And again, that's all within the major cities. The coastal towns will be uninhabitable for years. So I want to end on this quote from Mm. this excellent New Yorker article that I read when it came out and when I moved here and then again an hour ago. (laughs) And this is about the the time span that I talked about earlier or that so this is about the time span in between like the average time span in between earthquakes from the Cascadia Subduction zone that I talked about earlier or its recurrence interval yeah So if you remember it's about 250 years or actually like 243 is the exact yeah. number. So the article reads, that yeah. time span is dangerous, both because it is too long, long enough for us to unwittingly build an entire civilization on top of our continent's worst fault line, and because it is not long enough. Counting from the earthquake of 1700, we are now 315 years into a 243-year cycle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... It's bad looking bad for you. <laughs>
0: Will I survive? Probably not. <laughs> I also, while I was, while I was um, preparing for this, I was reading about, like, can cats sense earthquakes? And it was like, some yeah. cats can sense earthquakes before they happen. The warning signs to look for are, like, <laughs> the cat running around trying to escape The cat meowing excessively. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) those are just normal parts of her personality. I'll have no clue. (laughs) But it was also just like a a
1: minute before. But like
0: a minute to to gather her and some pillows and get in a doorway or like under a table and like.
1: Yeah, can you tell me... Because you have been living in many places with different types of horrible (laughs) natural disasters as a threat.
0: What is the thing you should do with an earthquake? Okay, let me make sure I don't give incorrect information. Um, So what I have always learned is get in a doorway or under a table. And cover your head with pillows. So it says, afterwards, turn off the gas, water, and electricity in your house. Um, you're also supposed to anchor all your furniture. This, is, <laughs> I'm like, the Pacific Northwest needs to do a better job of preparing for earthquakes. My entire life, I've learned that you have to anchor all your heavy furniture to the walls. I have never anchored anything to a wall.
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: And then. Um, don't try to go outside in the middle of an earthquake, but like if you had a warning, you should try to go outside away from buildings. Oh, okay. You get get caught trying to escape. Um, yeah. Stand against a wall in a doorway or under a desk or table. Stay away from windows. Mm -hmm. Um, don't get in like an outside doorway, an inner doorway. Um, stay away from power lines outside. Stay away from tall buildings or any buildings. Don't use matches, candles, or any flame. So extinguish all candles. Um, yeah. if you're in a car, stay in the car. Don't use elevators. Um, after an earthquake, don't go in any buildings. Look for broken glass and debris. Be careful of chimneys. Stay away from beaches. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, turn off your water, gas, and electric if you can. How
1: how uh how aware are people of the I
0: don't know the I Cascadia what it was called. subduction zone? I have yeah. no idea. Like among your friends. I I've, I've talked to my friend who's also from California about it. But she's from mm-hmm. Ballet. And so I was like, Isn't it so scary <laughs> that no one's retrofitting here? And she was like, Well, no one's retrofitted back home and I was like, What are you talking about? Everyone's retrofitted. And she was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't know a lot of people who are actually from Oregon. Yeah, no. I know one person who's actually from. But Oregon. still, people who yeah. choose to live I here. I like think no one's like... as scared about it as I am.
1: Yeah. No, it's very hard to. It's hard mm-hmm. to do something about it.
0: Right. Ra- other if than if I like, were buying skin. a home, I would retrofit it.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> then you invested in it. Yeah. So, kind I'll of make
0: it as safe as possible. For yeah. Myself.
1: I'll get. I. I read something about like they. Okay, I don't fully remember, but they asked like some sociologists, sociologists, to like um, to consider the possibility to like to to better like mm-hmm. plan for earthquakes I think it was earthquakes or maybe it was tsunamis but they found that like having such like you know kind of vague you know just the fact that you know that an earthquake yeah. could or will hit but you don't know when it will like it could be 100 mm-hmm. years and it could be 50 years and it could be tomorrow that it's very very hard for society to like deal yeah. with that type of information because basically what will happen if you say like yeah in the next 50 years then maybe like companies won't put their like uh headquarters or like their their business there but other than that people like will
0: st- I mean, like, still if you live in that area Japan, they don't- have much more frequent seismic activity than we do But, like, they have it down to a science of how they deal with it and, like, how they prepare for it. And, like, they could be hit by an earthquake of the magnitude that they have. Like, in recent history, they have been hit by an earthquake of that magnitude. And I'm not going to be like, they were fine, but, like, it wasn't, like, a decade of repairs. Yeah, but since they have it more
1: often as well, then it becomes more but like if you're looking at like within the next 50 years am i gonna like be willing to like yeah. put in the money like invest enough for like if it never happens then i would have just Oh well, it lost tends to happen in California
0: which has more definitely more earthquakes because we have a lot of really tiny volcanic earthquakes up here but we don't have a lot of like seismic earthquakes that you can feel and so yeah. like, in California like a city will go on will have a major earthquake and then everything will be retrofitted. And yeah. Unfortunately, like the major earthquake that's going to cause this area to retrofit is going to be the one that destroys everything. Yeah.
1: Kills everyone. Yeah, yeah. It won't it won't be retrofitted. Yeah. It will be rebuilt yeah. maybe. Yeah. Is there anything they can do? They can
0: like, ra- like, to, to stop, stop it? it? No. To stop the destruction, they could create, like, legitimate tsunami evacuation plans. They could retrofit all the emergency mm. service buildings, first of all. They could retrofit all the major buildings in major cities. And, like, p- they could pass laws to make it so people who are moving into houses have to get them retrofitted. Um they could start to teach earthquake preparedness in schools they yeah. could get early earthquake detection systems that do like all the things that Japan does where they, they start opening elevator doors, they start alerting hospitals they start yeah uh, shutting down railroads
1: it should be easier now also with like mm-hmm. technology moving faster uh, mm-hmm. I think to like to get those systems in place just through the internet or My something. mom's
0: convinced there's something called earthquake How? weather <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk about this I can't find any data to back this up in fact I've seen a lot of data that, like the contrary that earthquakes only happen when it's clear blue skies and then hot and humid <laughs> Okay, so no. but that's not true. I would also assume
1: that it was like really <laughs> sunny. It's
0: not a weather phenomenon. <laughs> no, no, that's true. But like I what I like about so earthquakes is they happen and then like you just kind of deal with it. Unlike like a storm, yeah, where you are spending like hours of your day or your night waiting and then nothing ever happens. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's true. It's very quick. There could be aftershocks. Get it over with. You spend the next week worried that another one's on its way. Or like, what if that was like a before shock, and the real ones still coming?
1: (laughs) How often do you think about this? possibility
0: i check the earthquake like the database of like recent earthquakes in the area probably weekly and then i think about it at that point or like also like every time i'm on a bridge i think about it especially if i'm stuck in traffic on a bridge i get really panicky or if i'm stuck in the lower level of like a two level bridge then i get like I'm, like, taking my pulse and, like, deep breathing to try to prevent myself from having a full panic attack.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you are really living mm-hmm. with this fear. I don't know what it's called <laughs> still. Like, I, I've i heard you say it multiple times, but it's the horrific...
0: <laughs> Cascadia, no, I like, don't... the cascades are the, um... Ca- oh. The mountain yeah. range that's actually volcanoes caused by the same overlap. And then subduction is the name for when they overlap. And then zone. Cascadia
1: subduction zone. Cause it sounds like you're saying <laughs> abduction zone. Uh huh. I think. Or like I'm thinking about abduction. <laughs> for the or the orphan was <laughs> abducted, maybe.
0: And so yeah, Orphanage right now. Zone. <laughs> the subduction zone is like i think i read somewhere like the the north american plate is moving further over mm-hmm. the oh what's the name of the other plate the juan what is it juan de fuca is moving over the juan de Fuco oh, yeah. plate by like an inch every year like it's just going further and further yeah and at some point it's going to have to snap back and then, Oh man, I didn't include this. I read a really cool article about like what exactly will happen. Hold on. I'm just going to read it straight from the article because I still have it pulled up. Um, okay. So a quake from the fault. Oh, it is a fault line. A quake from the fault located roughly 70 miles offshore could cause land along the shore to immediately drop by several feet. The sudden movement under the sea would send massive waves towards shore While recent tsunamis caused by earthquakes and volcanoes in the Pacific Rim have resulted in small surges in the West Coast of the United States, hours later, a Cascadia wave would arrive at the shoreline within 15 minutes. Um, oh, there's something even cooler that it said, or not cool, maybe, but (laughs) (laughs) low-lying coastal neighborhoods in Washington, Oregon, and Northern California would be under 10 feet or more of water. There's a great quote by the superintendent of North Beach School District, which includes the Ocean Shores Elementary School, which is in an inundation zone that could be up to 23 feet deep, said, the fact of the matter is if a tsunami occurs tomorrow, we are going to lose all of our children. (laughs) (laughs) When did they say
1: this? Um, This is like part of a a welcoming address
0: to the... No, i think they were interviewed for this article which came out like yesterday i'm pretty sure
1: oh um, that that feels uh scary they're like so by the way guys mind. just
0: a reminder no reason but <laughs> <laughs> it says along many stretches of the northwest coast there are no bluffs or high buildings to climb nowhere to go <laughs> yeah there's like no evacuation options either like I've been on that coast. There's all these signs that are, like, what to do in a tsunami. And there's, like, tsunami warning thing. Speakers. Alarms. No. Sirens. (laughs) Which, like, (laughs) you're going to feel the earthquake. You don't need the siren. You're going to (laughs) know. But, like, to leave the coast and go further inland, there's, like, one main highway you have to go on. And so everyone along the coast will all be going into the same highway and then taking the same... And, like, I've been stuck in traffic trying to get on that highway just when, like, it was hot in Portland and people were going home after spending the day at the beach. Like, it's not looking good.
1: It's not a good evacuation route. (sighs) Maybe soon we'll all have drones and we can kind of fly off. (laughs) Everyone's kind of up in the air. Uh-huh. Just hanging on and then you see the... So this
0: is a more recent article that says the chance of a 9.0 mega quake on the Cascadia Fault in the next 50 years is now 1 in 9. So it's gotten even bigger. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs>
1: you'll, need to, you'll need to move
0: out. I guess it's been like of, 15 uh, years 90. since the New York article came out. So now it's like... <laughs> It's getting like
1: even more. <laughs> oh <dire>. yeah, they're <laughs> ten years passed, So then, like, it, it should be within yeah any second now. I don't know if that's how st- statistics work.
0: Um, I was telling my mom about this earlier because she called me, and I was like, she, "Or she was like, I mean, since you've moved there, there's been like a once in a lifetime heat wave, once in a lifetime snowstorm." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, thank you." I don't know if that <laughs>
1: <laughs> if it was just one thing you could be like yeah now we've had our our share no, they're giving us like one of each two.
0: yeah <laughs> collect them Once all the in a lifetime pandemic Yeah. rioting true. very true yeah, it's, this is the year I'm. In- 2022 I am calling it now is the year of the big one in Portland I have to knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> this is our final yeah. episode. It'll never After be possible because me. my laptop will be crushed in the earthquake tonight. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll still have my
1: sound yeah. file and just like you just oh no. But it's just me like oh, uh-huh. aha. Yeah. That oh. sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is very unfortunate news. Even though I already actually yeah. did know about this, um, um, I, I'm gonna take over then and talk a little about uh, about the Swedish natural disasters, which, like you said earlier, there aren't that many. Uh, <laughs> we are far away from the Ring of
0: Fire, like basically as far away. Yeah, as I you was can actually I was looking at a map earlier to look at, like, volcanoes that are on the Ring of Fire, and I was shocked at how safe you are from the Ring of Fire. Yeah. Like, do you learn about it in school? Because we do.
1: Absolutely not. I saw it in a YouTube video (laughs) when researching this, and I thought it was a little bit of a, I don't know, nerdy thing to call it. We learned it in school. It's not a circle. No, it's not. It's like a square. (laughs) And also, yeah. Volcanic square, mm-hmm. you could have called it. Um, but yeah, I feel very safe being far away from it. Um, you have no we'd, active we'd have volcanoes had the either. No. No, and like no tornadoes yeah. or.
0: No, I feel like um, tornadoes are an issue for the small and horrible part of the world. <laughs> But they're very, like,
1: I I think tornadoes are intriguing.
0: Do they happen outside of the Midwest, though? I don't think anywhere else in the Mm -hmm. world has tornadoes besides, like, Kansas. No, that's true. It's very strange. Because you have hurricanes, but that's something else.
1: It's very (laughs) specific.
0: Is it just because it's so flat? you know what? I'm kind of remembering that I read about this, and there are tornadoes. In other parts of the world, but they're not called tornadoes.
1: Hold on. Okay.
0: Okay, let's do in Europe, because that's the first thing that popped up. (laughs) Tornado no, Europe is not a tornado free region. Twelve hundred tornadoes are observed every year. Wait, where is this? In Europe generally.
1: but they're very tiny tornadoes.
0: They're then, not called tornadoes I don't think. They're called something else cuz I feel like I I, don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that like only the Midwest is known for tornadoes, but that's because like tornadoes are actually like really similar to other types of storms and they're like not classified as tornadoes in other places. Could it be a tromb? Tromb? I want to say yeah. I want to say cyclone. But cyclones are bigger, I think. I thought cyclones were smaller. Uh, Cause like a tornado is just a a rotation in a storm. So really, I feel like a hurricane is a tornado over water. Possible, yeah.
1: Yeah, just because you don't have any like sea. Yeah. In Kansas, yeah.
0: The Midwest um, wanted to be known for something, so they made up a storm. Yeah,
1: but I think I think they're because uh, cool. you can have tornadoes without that much like rainfall, mm-hmm. which I think is freaky mm-hmm. in a in a cool way. I'm I'm a fan. I think they're fun and uh, unique. <laughs> I would like to see one. <laughs> but you have so many. You also have wildfires or forest that, fires. That I think is the scariest
0: of all of them. Yeah. I'm the most afraid of that. Just cuz I Yeah. I have a weird obsession with fire and then the like alternative to that is like I have a large fear of fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: They're so very destructive Mm. as well, I think. And, like, they move so... Like, wildfires move extremely fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times you wake up to, like, your house being evacuated. And you have, like, seconds to get out. My my friend, who's also from California, and I were talking about people that sleep naked every night. And we were like, I can't imagine doing that... Because I'm so anxious that what if I wake up to a forest fire and I have to evacuate completely naked? <laughs> like, I am sleeping in pajamas every night with my shoes by the door.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a very culturally specific for like Californian fear, I guess.
0: I'll wake up completely naked and there'll be a fire right outside my door. <laughs> I have to run through the... All my neighbors are out there. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. And then, like, you have to, like, drive to your nearest relative's house that's, like, outside of the danger zone. <laughs> so, like, Showing up at, like, my brother's apartment completely naked. <laughs> I think I have to stay here for a week now and I need to borrow clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It's not a... It would... It's not a fun experience from the start but like it would just also being escalated, naked, make
0: it gets so much worse.
1: Yeah, that will make it not great. Okay, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Sweden now or Swedish natural disasters. Do you have forest fires? Uh, we've had a couple okay. of forest fires. That seems like uh, something Yeah, they're becoming you would have. more common, I think. That's everywhere. With yeah. Um but some historical natural disasters in and you'll notice that a lot of these aren't actual natural disasters it's just people messing up. That's what
0: I saw on the Wikipedia page (laughs) one of them was like it was like murder and I was like why is this included
1: (laughs) yeah uh, in the during well this will be have been edited out but we talked earlier about Russia Mm -hmm. and in the 1700s, Sweden was at war with Russia. We lost. We went back to recuperate, if that's a word. We decided, hey, why don't we invade Norway <laughs> as a kind of
0: plan B. Uh, like that's like when someone's mean to you at school, so you go home and like beat up your sibling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. But in this scenario, our sibling, sibling was a lot stronger than we had <laughs> t- anticipated. Um, They've been doing they like kickboxing. It.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Around the new year of 1719, Sweden, the Swedish army uh, uh, decided to, or like the king decided to, uh, send them all across the, the mountains to Norway. Uh, usually you don't go to war. In January, yeah, because it's really cold. But they were like, We're gonna do it, it's gonna be a surprise attack. Um, but the surprise was that there was a big, big snor- snowstorm and like terribly cold, and 3,000 people died. <laughs> and that was like the end, the king died as well, but he was Who shocked. You could have
0: prevented that,
1: yeah. <laughs> So that was one, but that's obviously not on the snowstorm itself. That's to be expected in January in the mountains. Uh, Another one I read about was like a lake around the same area, actually, like up north, um, where they like completely eradicated, annihilated a lake in a couple of hours they were like, we're gonna. This is connecting back to the to the um, to the episode about uh, adventure parks, water mm-hmm. parks. We talked about flumes. Yes. Remember the flume. <laughs> Here they didn't really want to build a flume. They just wanted to kind of make a canal for the water to, so they could ship uh, uh, logs away. But the thing is, they didn't know anything about geology, and they just <laughs> hired a man who was called the Wild Huss. <laughs> Which, I mean, is a warning sign. I was going to say, that's like a green light. He should know what he's doing. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of, kind uh, of dig up a canal here. But it was, I, and I don't know geology either, so I can't explain this, but there was some kind of hill that, like, it was formed from when the, there was ice all over that place. And once you started digging and there came like a flood, Mm -hmm. because it was the spring, um, the lake just kind of ran out of the, (laughs) or like, it all just kind of dissolved into the ground. Uh, So like, yeah, in a couple of hours, 300 million cubic meters of water just (laughs) gone (laughs) and they had no lake anymore. (laughs) But that's again on... The wild house. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not really a was natural he disaster. A
0: geologist? No. He was just a guy that was there to <laughs> dig holes or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they paid him money to fix a problem. Which he did, and, and it was not his fault. In a way,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But now I need to get serious, because now I'm going to talk they had about... They problem them. with their
0: lake. He said, no more lake, no more problem. (laughs) (laughs) You got 99 problems. (laughs) This lake ain't one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's not on the lake, I think. It's just on... It was bad luck, basically. Uh, So... And then no one died as well. (laughs) So it wasn't really... If that's the measurement for a disaster... Um, but apart from this, one of the deadliest natural disasters in Swedish history happened thousands of mi- miles away from Sweden. And you will have ar- you have already mentioned this, but let's see if our listeners are uh, keeping up. Uh, so I will also take you now on a journey on a little story. No, I won't I won't make it. Too. The year is um, <laughs> Yeah, it is early boxing day in 2004. Okay. So two days after Christmas, or one day maybe, according to your weird uh, celebrations. Uh, My Boxing and, um, Day
0: is the twenty-sixth. <laughs> yeah, know the twenty-sixth of, of December. Yeah,
1: but that's <laughs> <laughs> in Swedish. It's called the second day after Christmas. <laughs> it's very. We don't have that that kind of, like, playing around with concepts. <laughs> uh, very straight on. It's, it's been two days. <laughs> Second day after Christmas. Um, and we are, like I said, far away from Sweden, in Thailand. Uh, on the West Coast, people are having breakfast on their nice hotel porches and dreamlike beaches. Um. And around 9:30, um, some of them who are done with their breakfast no- start to notice that the water is retracting and kind of—I mm-hmm. don't know if retracting is the right word—but like moving out towards the ocean. So, so the sea bottom becomes That's exposed. That's a good for high
0: land sign.
1: They didn't know. <laughs> uh,
0: so they a lot of them go out mm-hmm. and look after. Yeah, you know, I remember being like the kind of five years old maybe and being at the beach and my parents being like. If you can see a lot of shells on the beach, run away from the water. <laughs> because that means oh, the water's really? gone back far enough that all the shells that would normally be covered up are out. And so you should run away yeah. from the water.
1: Yeah. That's the opposite of what a lot of people That's probably did. why I'm so they anxious. Up-
0: is because my parents were just like, very young age, used <laughs> everything to be Put this on of. just so early. <laughs> Uh these Swedish
1: tourists had no angst. Yeah, no, some of them were actually unsettled.
0: I think it would be unsettled uh, by
1: this event. They they had a weird feeling about it. So a lot of them went back to their rooms and some even decided to like try to leave the hotel and go into town. Um cuz they wanted to get away from the water which was freaking them out. <laughs> um
0: like, that's not because they were like this could be dangerous. They're like this is freaking me out. I need to get away from this.
1: <laughs> that's what I heard in like a, in like an interview with someone who was there. They're
0: like I don't want to look that's at this. is really fucking freaky. That's freaky Let's freaky like somewhere else. <laughs> What's going on in town today? Because I don't want to be in this freaky fucking water. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> but around um, 30 minutes li- later, because um, the, the water went back far away, um, but about 30 minutes later, the the people still at the beach started seeing something at the horizon, and uh, it looked impossible, but um, it kept growing and moving towards them, and uh, uh, it was a wave at uh, times, uh, or like as it got closer, it reached a hundred feet tall. So that's like 30 meter, meters. Um, and it swept in, uh, taking with it houses, cars, people, trees. Um, and the reason for this yeah. was that an hour earlier, around an hour earlier, um, an earthquake had happened in the Indian ocean, um close to Indonesia, reaching a magnitude of 9.1 on the Richter scale. Richter scale. Richter scale. Hard American accent on it. Richter. (laughs) Richter. (laughs) Richter. It lifted the seafloor, creating waves that traveled at about 1,000 kilometers an hour. I don't know how fast that is in miles, but it's faster than 1,000 miles per hour. So that's a lot Um, toward Indonesia, which was closest, Thailand, India, and as far as Somalia in Africa. Um, And these waves first hit uh, Indonesia, the Indonesian island uh, Sumatra. And I want to see if I had a number, but maybe I didn't. Um, They had around, I think, 100,000 dead people. From
0: this tsunami. Wow, because
1: it's it it's the out, one like,
0: type of natural disaster that's almost unsurvivable,
1: unsurvivable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, obviously this is the, the the worst part of it. That uh, in total the uh, tsunami had, I think, a death toll around two hundred and thirty thousand in all of like the surrounding countries. So. Thailand also had a lot, and India as well, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an uncool thing here and talking just about <laughs> the Swedish experience. Um, but around this time, um, about twenty thousand Swedish people uh, were in Thailand and India. That seems like a lot. There. That's a lot of people. <laughs> like, like <laughs> not all of them died. But <laughs>
0: that's is that a normal amount of. Of, like, Swedish people to be in the area at one time.
1: So, it's relevant to the story that a lot of Swedish people go to this area of the world around Christmas time. Okay. Just because it's so dark and depressing. Okay. And air travel
0: has become really cheap. Like how Americans go to, like, the Caribbean.
1: Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, only it's really far away from yeah. us, but still, um, my boyfriend was on a plane to Thailand when this happened. Wow! So they were like, they were like in the a air, survivor. So like when they landed, and a lot of people like started calling them, like, "Are you okay?" And they were like, "What? What happened?" <laughs> like they didn't even, because <laughs> they, they they were far away from uh, any any news outlets, um, but. Uh, like you say, it's a lot of Swedish people, and Sweden was likely the most seriously affected country outside of, mm-hmm. of those countries that were uh, actually in this disaster area. Um, 543 people died. Um, and with Swed like, if you compare it to a US population, <laughs> if Sweden is like. Wait, what is that? You're three hundred million, and we're ten mm-hmm. million. It's a big part. Of yeah, it, like it. It was a. It was a very big national trauma, and a lot of, you know, uh, people were swept away, and they couldn't. Maybe some people were able to hold on to trees or like climb on top of buildings and would see their family members, uh, be swept away, and like that. That was the last they ever saw of them, and a lot of people were orphans after this and it was just a real bummer <laughs> also there was um a lot of critique against the or criticism against how the uh swedish national authorities handled the mm. situation because they they waited like four days until they actually sent like planes with like doctors and medical supplies uh, to like help their stranded citizens and like you could say that that's it's happening in another country, but if you have twenty thousand
0: <laughs> Swedish people, a lot of people <laughs> in one,
1: yeah, and like five hundred dead. And you're also maybe in a part of the world that doesn't have like a great medical system uh, to to handle that. What's type of your overall of population?
0: Deaths. Ten million. 02 percent of the population was. <laughs> was there on the ground <laughs> 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 that's
1: that's a lot, that's lot, of- <laughs> a lot. <laughs> in comparison the us uh, reported uh, 18 dead and 15 <laughs> missing presumed dead uh, in the us citizens so it was it was a uh, a situation that very Clearly affected Sweden more than a lot of other countries that you could have imagined. Also, would have been there as tourists. Um, I don't know if I have like a wrap up for this. I just wanted to like, I just wanted to, to talk about. It. Yeah, the, uh, the thing is, they didn't have a support or um, a warning system with sirens mm-hmm. or anything at this time, uh, and that's why because the the wave hit Indonesia around 45 minutes or something mm-hmm. before it hit thailand so like with today's just i think technology like yeah i don't know twitter yeah you could have you could have easily warned people but in 2004 that wasn't like as common to have mm. like you know internet connection everywhere and just people reporting so um since then they've put in place a, a warning system um, which is good. Um, but, um, but it's also the number of dead, I think it was, I mean, it was obviously a huge wave. It was a hundred feet tall. So, um, and there were a couple of after waves, I think as well. Um, but, uh, but the main thing is that a lot of those houses were maybe not built, uh, with maximum, um, capacity to handle this and all mm-hmm. I me mean, um, that, that's all I have <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also uh, wanted I have uh, also have a on the um, Wikipedia article that I briefly skimmed to see what natural disasters you could talk about there was a large yeah. section that was like Swedish people in natural disasters in other countries. And yeah. I just skipped that, <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea this was this was coming.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I think also, and I don't have any statistics for this, but I think also it was quite common for certain parts of Sweden to go to Thailand. Mm-hmm. So I think it hit uh, disproportionately hard against. Certain like cities and areas of Sweden. Mm. So for them, it became like you know, a lot of people knew someone who had been mm. there or uh, who had lost someone or yeah. Uh.
0: Now I can say with that country I knew someone like... who was there.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> above it all,
1: <laughs>
0: seeing it, watching from above. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that looks like a really big <laughs> word. It's just perspective. <laughs> At first, I wanted to do something for this episode about like how, in like disaster movies, people like are p- portrayed and like what kind of. But then I didn't really have anything on mm. that, so I. Um... But my recommendation for the, for the week is a Swedish movie. But th- I think they're remaking it into a hmm. US version, which I always think is a, a annoying thing to do. <laughs> um, but the movie is called in English "Force Force Major," so like hmm. an uncontrollable yeah. event, and it's about a man who's a family that's on a, on a skiing trip uh, in the Alps, and there's a an avalanche, and he like yeah. runs so yes. away from the family. Yes, yes,
0: yes. I know that movie.
1: <laughs> yes. Is there a US version
0: as well? I don't think so. I've not seen this movie I because I, I haven't seen any movies. I I don't I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think my mom saw it and told me to watch it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i feel like that's quite often that that happens that you're like yeah my mom also recommended that to me i don't know what that says about me
0: no, all it says is that i talk to my mom constantly and she's constantly like you need to watch these 10 things and i'm like i won't <laughs>
1: I want to also give a, an update on the, or like just a, a thanks for to you for bringing up the West Elm C- Caleb, because that's been a real <laughs> uh, topic for discussion in Sweden ever since we did that episode. Everyone's so confused. <laughs> no one understands what it's about. So I've been able to to make some good points.
0: Mm-hmm. You've been on top of the um, head of the conversation.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, my recommendation. Okay, actually, th- this brings up several points. First of all, <laughs> I've been thinking about this for months and I haven't mentioned it because I keep forgetting. Okay. Do you know what two buck Chuck is? No. Okay. No idea. I wouldn't expect you to. It is the nickname for a brand of wine sold at Trader Joe's, which is a grocery store from the West Coast. Yeah. The book you gave me references it. (laughs) And I'm wondering if the translator just took the liberty to like, be like, well, these Americans won't understand this unless I reference two bucks. (laughs) That was so strange. (laughs) What is the context? It's like really not important to the point. Like it's just randomly mentioned. Like I'll have to flip back through and find it again. It's like something like something like sitting down, like having a bottle of two buck chuck, or like buying. Like it's like not at all relevant to the point being made. It's just like a short aside about two buck chuck. Yeah, but it's like cheap wine. Yeah, it's two dollars.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay, but then I think. Yeah, it's probably translated. That that's that seems weird. Is a there a
0: Swedish version?
1: <laughs> I'm assume, like, I'm just this is just me guessing, but I'm assuming that maybe they have like, like you know, a, like boxed uh-huh. wine or like it's it's in a yeah. bag or like in a. That's probably what they're. We have
0: that too, though, and Two Buck Chuck is not that. Two Buck Chuck, hmm. all the all the Californian vineyards when they finish. Bottling their wines for the year, all the leftover wine that doesn't go into their bottles gets shipped to the Charles Shaw company and he mixes them all. He <laughs> bottles them.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's really, really, I don't know if we have that kind of
0: product, actually. I've never had it in my entire life, but I am very familiar with what it is. <laughs>
1: it's like a it's it's a a well-known phenomenon at least i think just in the west coast
0: i don't think it is because my my parents had a dinner party and my dad's boss brought a bottle of two buck chuck to the dinner party and like we were all like scandalized in the family because like what a (laughs) horrid move but yeah (laughs) like it's so it's not well enough known in the midwest what two buck chuck is like they don't even have the nickname for it They were just like, I'll bring this Mm. bottle of Charles Shaw Red Blend and they won't know it was only $2. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's a very
1: specific... I wonder if they make different versions for different parts of the US. I think it's
0: only... I think Charles Shaw is owned by Trader Joe's and it's only sold uh... through Trader Joe's. Um... If you go to the Wikipedia page for Charles Shaw wine, it has a picture of a Trader Joe's with a sign that says two buck Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's also sold in Australia.
1: (laughs) Wait, I need to see if I recognize it. Oh, it's mentioned in a couple of media (laughs) us <laughs> so funny.
0: But I don't recognize it. Well, okay, my the reason I thought of that, also related to Australia, um, I, every few months, go to Trader Joe's, and they have a big selection of flowers, like cut flowers at Trader Joe's, and you can buy, like, bouquets. But they also have a bunch of, like, filler yeah. plants that you can put in your bouquets to make them look bigger. And the filler plants they sell, one of them they have is eucalyptus. And eucalyptus is, like, one of my top five scents. (laughs) (laughs) And so every few months, I go and I just buy a bunch of eucalyptus. And then we'll have, like, bouquets of eucalyptus, and I'll dry it and hang it in the shower. And so I did that today. And it is such a wonderful sensory experience. Because every time you walk into a room... You're hit with the scent of eucalyptus, and it smells so good, and it's beautiful. I will show you. It is over in that corner, and it looks so good. What? Yeah, it's It's really nice. And so my recommendation is if you know of a place to buy eucalyptus, do it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I think I actually will,
1: or I'll buy tulips because it's tulips Mm -hmm. in here. But I'll... It's
0: definitely bulb season in general. Okay. We are... This is the exact same one from the last episode. We're an entirely independent (laughs) podcast, and for the time being, and possibly forever, unless we get some nice water company sponsors, we've decided to remain (laughs) ad-free. This podcast is made entirely by the two of us in our spare time. We do all the research, and I do all the editing entirely on my own on my MacBook, We don't have any fancy equipment or software. This is basically just an expensive and time-consuming hobby, but we enjoy it. That being said, (laughs) if you do want to support us, the only thing you can do right now is rate, review, and subscribe to us and tell your friends about us. Podcasts grow best organically by word of mouth, so the best thing you can do for us is just tell people that we have something to say and we're worth listening to. Yeah. We also have social media. Twitter at figure it out pod underscore, Instagram at figure underscore it out podcast. We have an email address, figure it out.pod one. We have a TikTok account. I think it's just figure it out pod. I'm not sure. I I'm making good content, I think, but it's rare. <laughs> <laughs> um I think it's worth a follow though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um,
0: <laughs> there you can get some of the
1: yeah edited. That's, out we po- we parts. post
0: deleted scenes, on yeah. on TikTok, so if you so, not not the really bad if you wanna ones. You want to learn more. Just some <laughs> things like, oh you know I'll probably post the bra talk on TikTok, yeah. but not <laughs> I won't put it on Spotify. So okay yeah, if you get some. <laughs> Know the audience in different yeah. platforms. if you want, if you want some bra talk, head over to our TikTok. <laughs> if if you don't, you can stay. You can stay here on Spotify or yeah. Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcasting platform is. Yeah, and, if,
1: <laughs> and we don't judge. <laughs> if
0: you want to, we're fine with Spotify again. Yeah, right. I think we've decided that Spotify did its due diligence. Yeah. It did what it had Good to, enough. and we're not going to fault them for anything ever again. It's it's difficult, the whole censor mm-hmm. thing. We're going to...
1: We're... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone.